Today I will be reading John chapter 15, verses 15 through 17. Again, that's John chapter 15, verses 15 through 17. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you asketh the Father in my name he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Good morning. Wow. Thank you so much for that scripture reading. I'm so thankful for, for all of our guys who are willing to do that and thankful when it's done so very, very well. I'm thankful that you are here today and glad that you have chosen to worship with us. I know we have those who join us on live stream each week. And thank you for joining in with us as we worship together. I know this week a lot of people are, are tired. A lot of people spend a lot of time at the fair. And it's a week that, that I think has been a good week. And again, today is a day where uh, there, I think we have about 70 who are at the ladies' retreat. And they'll be traveling back today. We want to remember them in our prayers. But we are thankful for their opportunity to grow closer to God and grow closer to one another. And I think that will be and is a blessing. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. As we have preached on the past four Sundays, what it means to follow Christ, tonight we're going to sing, we're going to read Scripture, and we're going to pray together about those things. And we will uh, talk about that, and we will focus on that, so I hope that you will come back. We'll have several different people involved. I think it will be a great blessing, so I encourage you to be back tonight as we gather at five. If you will, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today so thankful for your love and your power and your grace, which allow us the opportunity to follow you. God, we love you for sending your Son. We love you for his sacrifice. We love you for his resurrection. We love you for your care of us. And Lord, at times we may seem overwhelmed at what you have asked us to do. That you have asked us, not only as you gave your Son's life for us, for us to give our life for you. Lord, please give us the strength and the determination and the courage to do just that. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. As I just said, this has been Fair Week. It's my first time ever to go to the Wilson County Fair. I have never gone before. The, the only fair I remember going to, I never went to the Mid-South Fair either. Why? Because I like my car stereo. Usually whoever drove, somebody lost there. So I chose not to go to that one a whole lot. So this is one that, that we went to, and, and it was enjoyable. I found it interesting that they deep fry everything. Have you noticed that? You know, trying to make Oreos better, trying to make uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups better, they are deep frying everything. You know what they didn't deep fry? Cauliflower. Because you can't make it better. I mean, it's just done. I, I think that's one of the reasons. Now, they should try it. Work with okra, right? Okra became edible once it got deep fried. Maybe that's something that they should look at. I'm not, just, not sure how many people would buy it. Even though this was my first time to go to this fair, it, it reminded me of 1982 when I went to the World's Fair when I was a little boy. I was eight or nine years old this year. Depends. I can't remember if we went before my birthday or after. But I remember my mom and I and an aunt and a cousin going to the World's Fair. 
I remember that long drive. That's the furthest east I had ever been in my life at that time, driving from Parsons, Tennessee there, and that drive on I-40 and getting there. I remember pulling into town as we get close and seeing the sun sphere and how awesome I thought that was. As I went back and looked, it was amazing that over 11 million people went to the World's Fair. It covered 69 acres. And as you walked around, you saw different things from different parts of the world, and you sort of got to experience what it would be like to be a world traveler without leaving Tennessee. And as I went around, I was very, very shocked. Can I tell you something? This may sound odd to you. Everybody knew my name. The person I gave my my ticket to as a little boy, eight-year-old, he said, I hope you have a good day, Craig. We went to eat and people called my name and I just kept going, how awesome is this that people here know me? I had no clue what it was about it, but no matter where we went, I had people calling me by my name as we went and ordered different things and went to different things. People called me by my name all day long. And then I finally asked my mom, how does everybody know my name? She took my hat off and showed me that my hat had my name across the front of it. See, some of y'all don't remember. They, now they call them trucker hats. We just called them hats. They were caps. And you could take them to some type of shop, and they would take felt, and they would iron it on, and they could iron on anything. Our, our baseball hats didn't look near as professional as the ones now. They would have the mesh back and the white front, and they would go ahead and, and steam and, and iron those things on. And I had one that said Craig, and, and, and I wish I was smart enough to know that, but I'm going to tell you, it was sort of cool not knowing why they were calling me that. Just walking around and people calling me by my name wherever I went, and that was something really, really neat for me that day. A name is a big deal. And whether people know my name or not is really a big deal, but what I want them to know about me is I want them to know I'm a disciple. I want them, by the way that I live, when they look at my life, to know that I am a follower of Christ. We've been talking for these four weeks about following and about following Jesus and asking that question, if Jesus were to turn around, would you be right there following him? I'm thankful for, for, for Giff's message earlier from the elders to realize this is on purpose. This is intentional, that, that for us to be the church family that God needs us to be in Mount Juliet and to make the difference we need to make here and throughout the world, we need to be committed to Christ, we need to be committed to this church, we need to be committed to the community. That needs to be who we are and who we become. This is not just a place where you go. It is a place where you belong. It is a place where you are a part of, where you serve and where you do God's will together. It is a group of people where we do that. The thing is, when people see us, can they tell that we are a disciple of Christ? How is it that people know? Without us holding a sign around or walking around with a hat or a shirt that says, I'm a disciple, how is it that people will know that we are followers of Christ and that we have decided to to commit, to connect, to have that relationship with Jesus? The verses we've looked at so far, first Jesus said, you are my disciple if you do what? Verse 31, John chapter 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. He said, you can tell, people can tell if you're a follower of mine, If you live in my word. 
He said, people can also tell by looking that you belong to me if you have a love for what? A new commandment I give to you to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. What's he saying? If Jesus is walking, we abide in his word. When he turns around, we're there. If Jesus is walking and we're, we're loving like he did, he turns around and we are following him. Last week we talked about, and Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and do what? Follow me. Take up his cross and follow me. He said, by this people will know that you belong to me. What he's saying is, from the beginning, is you must abide in him. That means to live. That means to have a deep relationship, not just a casual knowledge of people. Jesus isn't asking for Facebook friendship. He isn't asking for somebody who, who just sees the pictures and comments every once in a while. He's looking for someone who will live in him. Not a superficial relationship. Abiding in Christ is an intimate and personal and lasting relationship. And he has said this is what he wants us to have. He said this is proof that you belong to him. John 15, 80 says, By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so do what? Prove to be my disciple. Let's go back and look at this verse in John chapter 15. Look how many times he says abide. He said, Abide in me, and I in you. You live in me, I will live in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. He is saying, you abide in me, I will live in you. You live in the vine. He said, neither can you unless you abide in me. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. An eternal reference right here in the middle. Jesus right here, even though he has said a chapter before, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, he just said it again in a different way. He said, unless you abide in me, guess what? Those branches will be taken away. They'll be cut off. They will be thrown into the fire, and they will be burned. He comes back and says, if you abide in me, and, and, words, and my words abide in you, that again, you'll abide in my word, ask what you wish, and it will be done for you. There are blessings to being in that deep relationship with God. He comes back, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I like with the New Living Translation how it says it. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. He said, when as you're producing fruit, you prove to be, you, you are showing that you are a true disciple, that you are sold out for Jesus, that you belong to him. He said, you are proof. Proof of what? Proof of what? Scary thought, God is watching you. Is that good or bad? I'm thankful it says his eyes are over the righteous. I'm glad that he looks over us. God is watching us. Many times we may think of that with a negative connotation that God is trying to seek, catch us doing what? Being bad. I'm not sure that's his purpose in watching us. But God is watching us. Guess what? The world's watching us too. 
What are they looking for in us? When, when we look around in this community, when the places we work, the schools we go to, the places we travel to, the restaurants where we eat, the places where we shop, the world is watching, what are they looking for? Can I tell you, I believe the world is looking for proof that there is a God. And he's looking to the people who claim to be his followers to see if there's proof in there. To see if there is truth in, in us, is there those things that show that we are connected to the Father. Even if we don't tell them up front that, hey, we're a Christian, that they look and go, wow, there's something different about them. I believe there are people looking every day for God. They are looking, they, they want to see God, and what he says is we have to bear fruit. He said, if, if you belong to him, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And he says there's a difference in not abiding versus abiding. If you will, turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's interesting what Paul does is Paul does something very similar here. Paul talks about what it's like to, to follow the flesh, which means not abiding in the vine, versus doing what? Walking in the Spirit, which is what? Abiding in him and his word. Paul contrasts those two, and, and if a world is looking, he said, they, they don't need to see what's here. Again, uh, Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He said, this is the same thing. Walking in the Spirit is abiding in Him, satisfying the, the, the desires of the flesh is doing what? Living for yourself apart from the vine. He said, this is what it looks like when people... Do what makes them feel good. He said, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are there any of these you struggle with? I want to guess probably so. What's interesting in is usually the, the first part of the list and the last part of the list are the things we single out as being really bad. We look and we go, wow, I don't want to be sexually immoral. I don't want to be impure. I don't want to be uh, sensual. Those are all sexual terms. And idolatry, I don't want to put something else before God or sorcery. I don't know about you. I haven't struggled with that. I haven't played with the Ouija board lately. That's not my direction. Then what about envy and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions? Is that something that you or I may, may struggle with? Envy. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He, he says when people look and they see this and people who claim to belong to Christ, what are they seeing? They're seeing death. They're saying this is not proof. This is proof that you live for yourself and not for God. And the thing is, we may think we're hiding them. And can I tell you, I've read this verse hundreds of times, and there was something that just hit me this week. It's the first part of it. The works of the flesh are evident. Like with this verse, stop kidding yourself. In other words, people see it. 
Now, you may, may be able to hide part of it. There's different things. Not that they'll always be visible, but he says the work of the flesh are evident. This means, this is proof that you are living for something and someone besides God. Then he turns around. What's beautiful is this. He said, I want to show you what it's like to abide in Christ. These are the fruit, he said, you'll produce. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Think about that for a second. To abide means to be connected to Jesus. As Jesus says this in, in John chapter 15, and, and Paul says this in, in Galatians chapter 5, we have to realize there, there is an audience here. Jesus is talking to his disciples, those who are following him. What are they going to endure? persecution. They're going to endure people being set up against them. Most are going to lose their life for the sake of the gospel. People are going to mistreat them. They're going to be misunderstood. There's going to be people out to get them. They're going to travel and be in danger. There's going to be all kinds of things going on. What's going on with the people Paul is talking to? Guess what? As they live out their life for Christ, similar things are going to happen. And he says, I, I want to show you what it looks like, the fruit you will bear, what people are looking for if you belong to Christ. He, he starts this, he said, when you're abiding and you're connecting to Jesus, your life will be a life of love. What about people who don't love you? He says, if you love people who just love you, that's not Christ-like. When you love people who don't love you, can you imagine in the midst of persecution saying, why is it I do what I do? It's because I love Christ and I love people. I love lost people. I want to make a difference. He, he says, and going through that, you, you will have what? You will have a joy. And you will have joy about you. We, we looked at this last Sunday night. What it means to have joy in your life and to look and go, wow. What fruit will people see in me if I belong and I'm connected and living in Christ? You'll have joy in your life. There's so many people that try to sell a gospel that says, hey, the Christian life, if you will come to Christ, it means nothing bad's ever going to happen. Nothing bad will ever, ever happen to you. You'll be financially well off. You'll be, you'll, you'll be healthy, all these different things. They promise things that Jesus never promised. It's amazing to me that preachers and churches can promise things Jesus never promised, and when the people are upset by that, instead of being upset at that church and at that preacher, they're upset with God. Jesus is saying no matter what it is that goes on in your life, you can have joy. Why? Is it created in you? No. He says, I'll, this will be produced in you as you are connected to me, he, he says, you can have peace. Can you imagine? All the things going on in the world, and he said, you know what? You can be at peace and have the peace that passes all understanding. This is what it'll look like. This is something that when people look at you, they will see peace. Let me ask you this. The people you go to school with, the people that you work with, do many of them have peace in their life? Or they seem like they're tossed and turned all the time. Depends on what happens.
It's been amazing. I have uh, been watching a, a friend of mine on, on Facebook. I, I announced a couple of weeks ago that uh, she's a, a girl that I went to Freed Hardman with. She had three daughters that were uh, riding together, and two of them were killed in a car wreck. The third one was injured really, really bad. Her name's Christy Payne. And she has been going Facebook Live each night just speaking about what this process has been like, but also what faith looks like in this. And the peace, even though that she is, is she sad her children are gone? Yes. (laughs) Is it hurtful? Yes. Can she have peace? Evidently, yes. See, as we are connected to him, we are people who can be at peace. He says we also are people who can be patient. Can I tell you, in the world that we're in right now, if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, it is going to take patience and being willing to walk with people. People will not change as fast as we would like them to. I don't change as fast as I would like to. We're going to have to be willing to be patient, and they're going to say, wow, look at that person. They must be connected. There's something different about them. We're going to be people who show kindness when hate is shown toward us. We're going to be people who show goodness. That is going to be who we are in our life. We're going to be people who show faithfulness when everything has been tested. When everything's been taken away, we still continue to follow God. He said, this is what happens when we are connected. Paul would say to the Spirit, Jesus will say, when you abide in me, that we'll be gentle. At times, I think there are Christians who believe the way to get God's will done on this earth is to yell the loudest. If I can yell the loudest, if I can use power, and I can find a way to coerce people, I can get a lot done. I don't see that in the gospel. I don't see that in Scripture. He said, gentleness will come. Why? Because the power comes from God, not myself. I don't have to flex. I can wait for God to do that. And the last one, self-control. He said, when you're connected with me, this will be a part of your life. I find it interesting, you know, as I use a lot of pictures in my PowerPoint, sometimes I wonder if the people doing the pictures ever read the verse. This, This is... To my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. They're holding a bunch of dead leaves. Let that sit in for a second. We show and we bear fruit when we are still connected and living in Christ. Again, he said, here's what it looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with passions. We can get into this. We say this is evidence of those who belong to Christ. This is what they look like. The thing is, why does it matter? Why is it that it matters that, that we bear fruit in our life? Why does it matter that that, that, that is a, a, a evidence, if you will, that we belong to Christ? It is proof. And people are looking for that proof. There are people who are looking for proof there is a God. There are many who study apologetics. 
And when we want to show someone there's a God, sometimes we want to come from the arguments from science, and we want to say, okay, there's some scientific reasons that we believe that, that God exists. There are those who want to take, there's four, there's a bunch of arguments. A lot of times we settle on four, and these are the $50 words I remember from college. There's the ontological, teleological, cosmological, and moral argument for the existence of God. See, my degree paid off, okay, both of them. Are those good arguments? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Now, are there some people who want those arguments? Yes, there are. There are people who want to know how did this world get created. There are people who want to know how we got the Bible. There are people who want to know those things before they believe on them. But I'm going to tell you, what people are looking for, and I think what will change people, is when they see the glory of God. Glory is one of the most difficult words in the Bible to actually define. We say it all the time, right? We talk about God's glory. We talk about these things. And and, and it's sort of like defining the word beauty. What's beautiful depends on the person you ask. There are things that may be beautiful to me and and not to you. As somebody who who loves fishing, can I tell you... uh, a flat lake early in the morning as the sun comes up with a buzz bait in my hand, that's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. There's some people, they look at mountains or they may look at the perfect food that's been cooked or they may look at how somebody else treats someone. They see this. It's interesting. When you look in the Bible, uh, the glory of God, what they're talking about is do we see God's presence there? God's manifestation, His presence, can we see it there? The Bible says we can. The Bible says we can see God's presence. And and, and the word that we have in the Old Testament is Shekinah, and that is where God's glory dwelled where? In the tabernacle. As they were traveling around place to place, His glory was with them. The evidence that God was alive and well, He dwelled with them. We see what the heavens declare the what? The glory of God. The skies proclaim the the work of his hands. In other words, when people look around, they see the glory of God. They see proof of his existence. Are y'all with me? When we see the glory of God, it is proof of his existence. We not only see it in creation, we see it in Jesus. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I know the little words are hard to read. He said, and we have seen his what? His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He says, when you have seen Jesus, you have seen proof that there is a living, loving God. You see His beauty there. Jesus said His entire life is about what? Father, glorify your name. In other words, when Jesus lived his life, when he did miracles, it wasn't for people to go, oh, look how great Jesus is. When he did miracles, signs, and wonders, signs point somebody to somebody. He wanted people to know, I am from the Father. He even told people, if you've seen me, guess what? You have seen him. God is watching you. The world is watching you. And they're looking for proof there is a God. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. When you bear fruit in your life, you show people there's a God. 
just as the creation. People look at that and go, wow, there is a God. Look how beautiful this is. When people look at the life of Jesus, they go, wow, there must be a God in heaven. He is saying, guess what? When people see you bear fruit because you are abiding in me, people can see there's a God because of how you live, your attitudes, your actions, how you love people, how you treat people, how you serve. He said, you are proof of a loving, living God. People see God in you. This past Wednesday night, John Coleman used this in class. I didn't know that. Somebody posted it on Facebook, so I, I thought it was really good. It says, there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian, and most people will never read the first four. A man whose last name is Conway was quoting a, a preacher by the name of Gypsy Smith. Again, there are, there are five Gospels according to him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and the Christian. And most people read the, never read the first four. What is he saying? He's saying that you must live in a way that shows people Jesus. When you show, live this way, when you bear fruit, you are what? You are the image of Christ. You are the glory of God here on earth. People see you, you point them above. Several years ago, the passion of the Christ came out. It's been a lot longer than you think. I think it's, it's been like t close to 20 years or something like that. It's been a long time since it came out. And Jim Caviezel is the one who played Jesus in that movie. I find it interesting that this movie was a, if you will, a conversion process for him. It was something where um, he was not a person of faith before this, and he really looked. He went in it to take a role, but it changed a lot of who he was. And I love what he said. He, he, when he talked about playing Jesus in this movie, he said, I don't want people to see me. I want them to see Jesus. Amen. Amen. As we abide in Christ and we bear fruit, here's what's beautiful. People get a chance to see Jesus. They see Jesus in us. And as we bear fruit through, through, I believe, the fruit of the Spirit is one way, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, self-control. We see those things there. We not only bear fruit in that way, it helps us to bear fruit in a different way. And I don't know if, if you are people who like fruit. A lot of people do. It is, some people call it God's candy. I call Reese's Peanut Butter Cups God's candy, but we can talk about the ins and outs of that later, okay? But unless a fruit has been GMO'd, genetically modified, fruit has seeds. The purpose of every piece of fruit is to create more pieces of fruit. Every time. Every single time. It is no different with us. Our purpose on earth as disciples is to create more disciples. As we bear fruit in one way, as we live out this life, people can look at us and see Christ. We, we show them the glory of Christ. They see the glory of God in us. They see that through the way we live, through the way we act, through the way we talk. And through that, we are able to do what? Plant the seed of Christ so that more disciples are made. 
It's one thing for people to know my name. It's another thing for people to know my Savior. And I want them to know by the way I live and you by the way you live that we are disciples of Christ, we are followers, and we want them to be followers too. It starts with abiding in Him. Tonight, this morning, I just want you to think about this. I've asked the question over and over again. If Jesus were to turn around, would you be there? Are you living in a way that you are bearing fruit? One, in in the way your life functions, and others, are you purposely trying to make disciples? That is who we are called to be and what we are called to do. It starts with abiding in Him today. Are you living in Him? If not, today's a day to start. Today's the best day to be baptized from this year's sins by faith to, to begin that life with Him. Or it may be that you are a Christian and you say, you know what, I the fruit that I've been bearing has not been good. I want to reconnect today. I want to ask this church family to, to pray with me. I want to draw a line in the sand and say, today I want to start over. And I want prayers, and we would love to do that. Today, if we can help you, in abiding in Christ and following Christ. Would you come now while we stand and while we sing?